0: This episode was first posted June 6th, 2011. Hey, that was my dad's birthday. He'd like this movie. This is Movies for the Blind, episode 172, To the Last Man, part one of two.
1: Murder? Why, it was pure and simple.
0: Hello, and welcome to Movies for the Blind, where you can enjoy films without looking at a screen. I'm Valerie Hunter. After our dalliance with the 21st century for the last couple weeks, we're back with a Western with some interesting pedigrees. It's based on a story by the famous Western writer Zane Gray. As were many films of that time, it was actually the second film made of the story after a silent version done not long after the original book came out. This one was directed by Henry Hathaway, who would go on to direct one of the all-time favorite westerns, the original True Grit, with John Wayne. This one has a soon-to-be full-fledged star in Randolph Scott. More on him next week. This film also has an interesting way of handling what would normally be opening or closing credits. Now, instead of identifying the main actors and their characters all at the beginning or all at the end, this movie identifies them as they're introduced in the story. In fact, the final credit I read will be more than 20 minutes into the film. I think you'll get the hang of it. From 1933, this is To the Last Man. Favorite Films Corporation presents... A man pushes and pulls a lever on a printing press, then another man cranks the bottom plate out. The top part of it is removed, and the second man lifts up the printed page, which is the title card. Zane Gray's To the Last Man, directed by Henry Hathaway. Screenplay by Jack Cunningham, photographed by Ben Reynolds. The printers create another page. The plate slides out, and the page is uncovered. It's a sketch of five men at a table with the caption General Lee accepts terms of surrender at Appomattox, April 9th, 1865.
2: The caption's all right, Joe. Read's plain enough. They'll buy them like hotcakes. they good, get another Pressman. the soldiers are be leaving. Nah, they won't be leaving for over a week. The army is parceling off the horses and wagons to the soldiers. Anything they can use to work on the farms when they get down home. General Lee gave his orders this morning.
0: Later, a thin man drives a pack of mules to pull a covered wagon. Egon Brecher is Mark Hayden, who notices something to his left and grins then stops the mules. Hey. Hey. Another man tries to ride a mule that's not budging. Fuzzy Knight is Jeff Morley. Oh, come on, hop along, we never will get home. Hey. What are you doing, Jeff?
2: Retreatment advancing on the enemy. We don't know. Time up here. You'll never get home on that, Jack.
0: Thanks, Captain. Dismount him. Jeff glares back at his mule and holds his bugle. Then he gets on the wagon beside Mark.
2: Must have been full of cold liquor when you picked him out.
0: I just took what they handed me. After straddling you for four years, I'll sure enjoy a steady seat. <sighs> Mark releases his brake and urges his team onward. Somehow I can't get used to the war being over.
2: I you think i would be going home. Hope I'll never hear another shot fire as long as I live. And you going to Kentucky... I married into a feudin' family, but I'm not raising my children to become targets of a lot of bushwhacking. I'm gonna move the family west. Just on account of the feudin'? If a man can have some respect for his neighbors out there, and all the land you want for the asking, that's where I'm gonna build a permanent home for my family. You think you'll ever persuade Granny Spelman and the old man to leave Kentucky? How hard would you try to your in law? Well, it'll work out all right when I get home. Granny Spelvin's been pretty good to my three children since my wife died. How
0: old's Lynn getting to be?
2: He's going on tape.
0: Meanwhile, in Kentucky, Jay Ward as Lynn Hayden walks with Harlan Knight as Grandpa Spelvin. Carrying a bucket up a ridge. The boy sets it down to help Grandpa, who hands him a shotgun as a hound dog joins him.
3: Let me pack it, will you, Grampy?
0: Well, be careful now. Grandpa picks up the bucket, and they walk on, as Lynn runs his hand over the intricate inlay of the stock. My papa will be home for more in about five days, huh? Think you'll know him, Lynn? Sure. Lynn stops when he spots a rabbit up ahead, He aims the shotgun and cocks it. Both he and Grandpa grin. Right fine eye. Easy to hit them when I pretend they're Colby's.
2: Rabbits ain't Colby's. The Colby's fight back. That's what makes them good hunting.
0: Give him back the shotgun. Lynn runs ahead and follows the dog to the rabbit behind a couple trees. Grandpa watches, while several yards behind him in the bushes. Grandpa drops the bucket and collapses, tumbling over another small ridge. Moving inside the bush with a younger man, Noah Berry is Jed Colby.
1: Now my pappy can rest easy in his grave. I got Chet Spelvin for him.
0: Lynn climbs down the ridge to Grandpa.
3: Good,
0: The boy shakes his shoulders.
3: Good,
0: To no avail.
3: Good, Baby.
0: In despair, the boy sits back, running his hand through his hair. Then looks back at Jed and the other man walking off. Lynn gets the shotgun out from under Grandpa. Who stirs and sits up. He looks at Lynn and the gun. It's yours now, Lynn.
2: Don't ever use it on a colby
0: he falls back dead and the boy sobs clutching the gun <laughs> his tender face starts to harden with anger looking toward where jed walked off Lynn stands and runs that way, barefoot. Later, Eugenie Besserer as Granny Spelvin sits reading in a small house. Lynn runs to the front door and opens it, dropping the gun. Granny!
4: What's the matter? Why was your grandpappy?
0: Shutting her book, she takes hold of a cane and stands.
4: Why is he?
3: He's down in Pineholler. He's laying there.
0: Dead Colby shot him. Colby. A girl a couple years older than Lynn approaches. You just run down to base and tell him what's happened. She hurries away. And Lynn walks into Granny's arms. you Papa will take care of Jed Colby when he gets here. Later, as a sword with a scabbard is packed with a Civil War uniform, Granny sits scowling. She watches Mark step to a bed and pick up a stack of clothes, which he carries to an open trunk. He continues packing. I don't understand you, Mark Hayden. You've been home two weeks and Jed
4: Colby straxing up and down these mountains bragging how he killed Chet Skelton. And here you are, backing up, running away from him.
2: The law will take care of Colby. The law. It ain't honorable to take a family feud to court that won't spill
0: no blood for you.
2: I want no blood spilled for me.
0: She puts a hand on a Bible.
2: Then you're putting yourself above the prophets.
4: A knife for a knife and a tooth for a tooth.
0: It's in the book. He turns from her with his lips tight, packs another piece of clothing, then steps to his hat and coat on a hook. Mark! She stands.
4: It's your plain duty to take vengeance on Jack Colby.
2: And then his skin is bound to take vengeance on me and someday one of my sons must kill another Colby. No. I'm going to the law.
0: He leaves the house and later sits at a desk with an official.
2: Of course, Mark, if you insist on preferring charges against Jed Colby, there's nothing I can say. I know it's procedure. In some places, it's up to the court to punish a man who commits a murder. That's a matter of opinion. If you want him arrested... I'm bound to arrest them. They stand. And later in court... Jed Colby, you have been found guilty. But on account of the peculiar circumstances and feeling in this community, the court has decided not to have a hanger. But you'll have to go to the state penitentiary for 15 years for the murder of Chet Spellman.
1: Murder? Why, it was feudin', pure and simple.
0: Later, with others on a winding trail, Mark drives his wagon with Ann and another young boy riding along.
3: I wish Nan had come out with us.
2: he would be coming out as soon as your grandma's gone. She's dependent on him to do for her, and I couldn't take him away. You and Bill's got to be my family now.
0: They ride on past towering mountains. Through forests. And over prairies.
2: Get around there, boy.
0: Mark turns the mule team to the right, off the trail. As he stops them, Whoa! a man on the passing convoy waves.
2: Up, Mark. We've soon been Bye,
0: they wave back. And Mark climbs down from the driver's seat. The convoy rides on further west.
2: Those are mountains, Bill. The Kentucky Hills is like what's on because they're eight people. They are, Bill. Jeff, yeah, take me those stakes. Come right up.
0: Jeff gathers a few wooden stakes and a mallet, then follows Mark, Ann, and Bill to a spot in the open meadow. Turning back to Jeff, Mark takes a stake and hands it to Bill.
2: Stick it in the ground, son.
0: When he does, Mark gets the mallet and drives in the stake, which Bill holds steady. Later, a handwritten sign is posted. Mark Hayden claims this property. May 15th, 1866. Fifteen years later, Jed stands behind bars. A guard meets him.
2: You're getting out Tuesday, Jed?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jed signs a document through the bars.
2: Your daughter's waiting for you. I'll send her in.
0: He walks off. Esther Ralston is Ellen Colby. All right, miss. Glancing around, Ellen stands at the bar door. The young blonde woman opens it, her skirt ragged, her sweater too small and threadbare. Other inmates stare at her as she approaches Jed's cell. When she steps inside, Jed looks her over, confused.
1: Uh, you can't travel west looking that way
0: She looks down at herself.
3: That's all I've got. What do you want me to look like? Sleeping in corners.
0: Jed softens and puts a hand on her shoulder reassuringly. He pulls her into an embrace. That's the first time you ever put your armor on, me, dear. Jed looks up past her at someone watching in a suit and hat. Jack LaRue is Jim Daggs. Jed steps to him.
1: Did you find out where he's located? I could go there with my eyes shut.
0: Daggs looks past him at Ellen, and Jed turns back. Oh,
1: my daughter, Ellen. Oh.
0: Smirking, Daggs approaches her
1: i never seen you before. Your father and I have been friends for several
0: years.
1: (laughs) We had to be. We've been here together. I got out a few months ahead of him. Going west with us? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How much money did you get? Seven hundred dollars. Good. That's enough to get an outfit with. Sure, I'll have everything ready.
0: Jed paces away, then comes back.
1: I'll get him.
0: He scowls past Dags and Ellen and through a barred window. A few months later, Jed Colby had taken up an abandoned homestead in Nevada, a half-day's ride from the Hayden Ranch. In the Colby Ranch house, Jed and Dags eat breakfast at a table.
1: We could have taken more than half that herd last night if you hadn't stopped us.
0: Jed just drinks his coffee, so Daggs gets up and steps to a coffee pot.
1: The wolves get more of Hayden's cattle than we do. Yeah, we're taking enough.
0: Daggs returns with a filled cup and a bottle.
1: Not to suit me. A few hundred at a time ain't my idea of cattle rustling. He
0: pours booze.
1: We're going to strip Hayden of everything he's got before we get through, but we're going to do it my way.
0: Dags puts down the bottle.
1: You've had your way for a year. The next time we raid that ranch, we run off enough stock to pay for the trouble
0: and keep on
1: going till we've them out. But we won't be another year doing it. No, you won't. Not until I'm ready. And I'm stretching out his misery the same as he did mine. We're going to keep working on him till he comes gunning for me. Oh, forget it. Dag sits. Let's get something out of this deal. Not yet. When I wipe out the Haydens, I'm going to get them all, the last man. What do you think I've been talking about? There's one of them ain't out here yet. The oldest boy. I'm not waiting for him. I'm going to have that Hayden ranch.
0: Jed turns to him.
1: Don't get your back up.
0: Dags grins.
1: I'm not leaving you out. I'm going to marry your daughter. Oh! Ha-ha! <laughs> there Finally made up your mind that's the only way you can get her, eh? You <laughs> want to have her? It's going to take a lot better man than you to tie that cow, Daggs.
0: They turn toward some noise outside. Jed gets up, and Daggs follows him toward the front door. They go out. We're in a corral. Ellen rides a bucking horse while cowboys fire in the air. She waves an arm and smiles as the horse keeps jumping, then throws her off. As she sits up, Jed and Dags hurry to the corral, where Jeff helps her. She pushes away him and another man to run to the fence gate and climb over it. She faces Dags.
3: You put them up to shoot off their guns. What'd you let
0: her get on that horse for?
3: Oh, how was he gonna stop me? Oh, you
0: might have got killed. now? James C. Eagles is Eli Bruce. She, she bet Dags a kiss against something or
4: other that, that she could ride the horse. Uh.
0: Jed stalks away. Smirking, Daggs puts some gum in his mouth and heads for the house, where Ellen stirs some batter in a bowl. Daggs steps inside and watches Ellen from behind in her torn shirt and trousers. He grins and advances from behind. She raises her head, sensing him. As he moves in, she flips a spoonful of batter in his face, then looks back. <laughs> When she walks off, he grabs her arm and pulls her back, but she bites his arm. Oh. Getting hold of her hair, he pulls her off him and smacks her, but she yanks a chair across his path, tripping him. <laughs> Before he gets up, she tries to leave but is blocked by another man.
1: Where's Colby? Well, what's up? The Hayden shot Pete down.
0: The men hurry away. Meanwhile, at the Hayden house, Gail Patrick, as Anne Hayden Stanley, prepares to dress the wound of Barton McLean as Neil Stanley.
2: It's no more than a powder burn.
0: Muriel Kirkland, as Molly Hayden, pours hot water into a bowl held by Buster Crab yes. as Bill Hayden. He takes it to the table where Neil sits, while Molly gets something from a cabinet. Anne cleans Neil's arm with the water. Think you killed him?
2: Yes. It was that fella, Pete Garrett.
4: That's Jed Corby's cousin was with Colby the day Grandpa Spelvin was shot. Remember? What did you do it for, Neil? You know Dad's been doing everything possible to keep from fighting with the Colbys.
2: Anne, there's no use talking like that now. I told your father what happened. He was sure enough upset, but he doesn't blame me. Nobody's gonna shoot bullets into me if I can get them first.
4: Well, that starts the old Kentucky feud boiling again.
1: You keep out of this, Bill Hayden. I don't hang it to be a widow my first year
3: married. It's just fool's luck we're not all turning a hand to bury you.
2: What do you expect us to do? Set around and let him move everything off the ranch? I've been telling you all along, they've been stealing more cattle than you'll ever admit. Colby's been doing everything to get Dad fighting mad. Neil's right. We've got to face it sometime.
0: As Anne dresses Neil's arm wound, Bill steps to a window and looks out, then pulls aside a curtain. He watches his dad pick up a pack in a saddle.
4: Neil, come on. Dad's up to
2: something.
0: His wound dressed. Neil gets up and follows Bill. They meet Mark outside. Where are you going, Dad?
2: To talk to Jed Colby. Not alone. I don't need any help. Bill and I are going with you. This is between the Haydens and the Colbys, Neil. My wife's a Hayden, isn't she?
0: Mark considers. Then walks on. Neil and Bill walk after him. Watched by their women in the open doorway. Anne carries a little girl with a puppy.
3: What does it matter if you're a Hayden or a Colby? If a bullet gets you.
0: The men ride off. At the Colby ranch.
1: You drive off every head of stock from his ranch. By daybreak, there won't be a Hayden alive to stop you.
0: Walking away from Daggs and down some stairs, Jed approaches his horse and climbs onto it. He rides through the property.
2: We're heading for Grass Valley.
0: Then rides off. with several riders behind him. Daggs joins him. Later, at the Grass Valley Trading Post, Jed stands at a bar while other men play cards and make music Mark arrives and stares at Jed's back Jed looks over his shoulder then turns
1: mm. if it ain't my law Biden friend from Kentucky
0: as Mark steps toward him Jed stops leaning on the bar
2: I want to talk to you Colby My son-in-law got one of your men for stealing my cattle.
1: You can't accuse us of stealing cattle to cover up the killing of Pete Garon.
2: You've been stealing cattle off my ranch for almost a year. Doing all you can to start up that Colby-Spelden feud again. I'm not going feudin' with you, Colby. But I am protecting what belongs to me.
0: Jed goes for his gun, but he's covered by Bill and Neil. Put him on the table. Jed and his men freeze, each with a hand on his own pistol. The men slowly obey Bill. He backs away with his brother-in-law and his father. Later, A man rides a horse and leads a couple heavily laden pack mules. They travel past trees and along rocks. Pausing, Randolph Scott as Lynn Hayden looks around. He notices some distance away a naked woman on a rock diving into a large lake. He smiles, angling for a better look as Ellen swims across the lake. a stone drops in nearer, and she looks up to find Daggs, who drops another stone as he stands on a ridge, and moves down as she splashes, watched by Lynn, who rides toward him. Ellen tries to swim away, but Daggs follows her along the shore. Lynn approaches slowly, undetected. Daggs steps into shallow water in front of a gate,
1: Don't hurry, I've got plenty of
0: time.
3: I'm crazy to death.
0: Looking around, Lynn notices the gate is for a dam. He grins.
3: I won't do it. You get out of here.
0: Lynn gets hold of a lasso. Twirling a loop over his head, he tosses it over a lever. When he turns his horse away, the lever moves, opening the gate. A torrent of water hits Dads from behind, knocking him down. Lynn dismounts, as Ellen is able to run from the lake through trees to her clothes. Lynn hurries to her floundering dags. What happened to you? And where'd you drop from? I was just riding through. He helps dags up.
2: Suddenly I heard a splintering, and, and that damn tore loose. And you were standing right in the way of it.
0: Dags? He turns to Eli nearby. The boy sent me up to tell you they're waiting. For, for whatever you're going to do. Glancing back at Lynn. Dags waves across the lake to Eli and leaves. Lynn gazes across the lake, which is again placid, but finds no sign of Ellen. As he goes back to his horse, Ellen steps out of some bushes, tying closed a buckskin dress and smiling. She watches Lynn gathering his lasso, then approaches him. Good. He turns to her. Glad I happened by.
3: Wouldn't have made much difference. I never seen the man I couldn't handle. Lynn takes off his hat. Better put your hat on before
0: that sun hits you any worse. Thanks, lady. He puts it back on. Lady? He gazes at her, and she glances down. What
3: are you staring at?
0: A lady. Now you're making fun of me. No, I'm not. She smiles, and so does he.
3: Where are you heading, Paul?
4: Grass Valley. How much further is it?
3: About seven hours with all them pack animals. You can't make it for a sets in. You'll have to camp down the meadows for the night.
4: Thanks, I will.
0: He prepares to get back on his horse. Uh, glad you asked by, stranger. You're welcome. That night, Ellen gazes into space in a camp as Eli sits at a fire.
4: What you thinking
0: on, Ellen? She turns to him briefly.
3: Just wondering how ladies dress.
0: Eli. She steps to him and sits by him at the fire. What did your mother look like?
4: Oh, she, she was beautiful. I remember one dress she had that had spangles all over it and, and feathers around her neck. She used to always carry a red pocketbook when she went out walking.
3: Do ladies wear their fine dresses all day?
4: Oh, no, only in the evening when the gentlemen come to court. What did they do? Just sat around talking and drinking and laughing, having lots of fun in the big parlor.
3: Did you live there?
4: Me Oh no. We had a room just around the corner, but my, my mother used to always see her friends in the big house. They wouldn't let me in the parlor. I was too young. but I used to peek through the curtain. Why. Some of them ladies will look us. I'd still be there. If that sailor hadn't shot my mom.
0: Ellen touches his arm then rests her chin on her hand. I wonder where we could get some shoes and stockings.
3: Maybe a dress. And one of them feathered neck things. Well,
4: maybe you can get them down at the store in Grass Valley.
3: Ah oh, no. Besides, I want them for tonight. guess I'll have to go walking, just as I am.
0: Getting up, she walks away from the fire. Near another fire, Lynn shaves in a mirror, bare-chested. When Ellen steps up into his camp, he turns with a hand on his shotgun. But he smiles and lets go of it. Hello. She approaches. I saw your fire.
4: Glad you did. I'll be through in a minute.
0: You keeps shaving.
3: Do you shave every day? Every other day. What for?
4: Just a habit, I guess. Why?
3: I'd have thought you was kind of soft if I didn't see the strength in your arms.
4: <laughs>
0: Closing a straight razor, he picks up a towel and wipes his face. He looks up at her gazing down and gets his shirt. As she steps to the fire, he dresses and goes to a bedroll, which he brings closer for sitting. He turns to her. Will you have a cup of coffee?
3: You're being polite and making fun of me. I ain't used to being polite at. I can get my own coffee without being waited on by men, folks.
0: She bends down to a pot on the fire and pours some coffee then sits on a log. As she drinks, Lynn looks down at her bare feet.
4: Must be sort of hard going barefoot through these mountains.
0: She sets down the cup and stands. It's none of your business that I ain't got shoes and stockings. She starts to walk off, but he gets a hold of her arm and turns her back.
4: I didn't mean anything that way. They write poems about barefoot girls like you.
3: What's a poem?
4: Oh, a lot of words put together. They don't mean anything, but they sound pretty good. Want to hear one?
3: No. I guess I wouldn't care for it.
4: I could sing you a song. I know. A story about the Indians.
3: If you're going to keep on making fun of me, I'm going.
4: No. Don't.
0: She softens as he holds her other arm.
4: Now, will you let me get you a cup of coffee?
0: She nods, smiling. She sits on the bedroll while he pours some more coffee. He brings her the cup. Then sits beside her.
4: You're a disturbing sort of girl.
0: Watching him sprinkle tobacco into a rolling paper, she leans back on her elbows. He rolls the cigarette, and she yawns. It's getting late. Don't go yet.
3: Oh, I wasn't going back tonight.
0: He turns to her, surprised.
3: If I won't be any bother to you. But remember, you got to treat me like a fellow.
0: In the morning, the camp is quiet. Soon after, on the fire, bacon cooks in a pan beside another one with baked biscuits in the steaming coffee pot. Lynn sleeps on a travois, but is awakened by the smells. He opens his eyes and turns toward the fire. He sits up and smiles at Ellen, who smiles back as she cooks. Later, they finish eating breakfast.
2: Never knew bacon could taste so good.
3: Funny, ain't it? Only yesterday, there wasn't any you. We ain't said much to each other. Ain't said anything, really. Only, already yesterday seems way back there. Hey,
0: let's get acquainted.
3: All right. She stands and holds out her hand. I'm Ellen Colby, and I hail from the mountains of Kentucky.
0: His smile fades. Colby.
3: What's the matter? Why do you look at me like that?
0: He stands.
4: I am from the mountains of Kentucky. I'm Lynn Hayden.
0: She starts to back away, but he advances.
4: Listen, Alan. It is now fight. We didn't start it. Why
2: should we hate each other?
3: My father went to jail. Fifteen years he was there. Hayden sent him. Uh, Hayden went squealing to the law.
0: He holds her. But I didn't know. She pushes him away. Don't touch me. I don't want to see you or any, Hayden, setting a dead one. He tries to hold her again, but fails. I... She runs away, ducking under a fallen tree branch. Lynn watches her go, then turns back to camp, while Ellen cries behind a rock. She slumps onto the ground in her bare feet. With his camp packed up, Lynn rides on. So, we have a bit of a Romeo and Juliet thing going here. Do Ellen and Lynn have a chance, and can Mark keep resisting a revival of the feud? Find out in the conclusion next time on Movies for the Blind. While Randolph Scott is pretty impressive as a movie star, someone who'd become way more famous is also in this film, though you haven't heard her yet. Remember I mentioned that Anne was holding a little girl with a puppy? That little girl is Shirley Temple, soon to become the biggest child star ever, and you'll finally hear from her next time, too. For more information and links about the movies, about description, and how to subscribe, go to the blog, MoviesForTheBlind.com, where you can also find out about this podcast's Creative Commons license. Also, check out the Movies for the Blind page on Facebook and the channel on YouTube. And the movies are from the Internet Archive, so please support universal access to human knowledge by visiting and donating at archive.org. Thank you for downloading and for listening. Be back next week. Take care.